Another game against the Rays, another Yankees loss. It's like clockwork in 2020. We break down the Yanks dropping two of three and eight of 10 this season against the first place Rays. It's the first time since 2014 the Yankees lost the season series to Tampa. We also dive into the drama between both teams, guys getting beamed, suspended, and the smack talk, of course. We'll talk our own smack as friend of the program, New York Post baseball columnist Ken Davidoff joins us. All that and more next on the Pinstripe Pod from the New York Post. Here's a pitch strike odd. Welcome to the Pinstripe Pod, our New York Yankees podcast from the New York Post. I'm your host, Chris Sheeran, alongside my co-host, four-time Yankees World Series champion, Jeff Nelson. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Chris Sheeran, yes, and Nelly is at NYNelly43. Subscribe to the Pinstripe Pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. But do us a favor, and if you do subscribe on Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars there and write in a nice review. We do appreciate your support. Ken Davidoff joins us later in the show. But first, it's time for our weekly installment of In the Papes with our producer, Jake Brown. Here, Wait, let me give you your long microphone. There you go, Jake. Take it away. A new car. Um, <laughs> guys, I want to start. I know this is a Yankee show, but a quick you know tribute to Tom Seaver. I mean, just a, a baseball legend I know. You guys got to see him pitch uh, on TV and got to see him in person. I was not lucky enough to do that, but did get to meet him. And, you know, I did get to meet almost the entire 1969 Mets roster and had a real affinity for Mets franchise history. And he was the franchise. He was the only Mets Hall of Famer for so many years. And, you know, he was so meaningful to baseball, just complete games nonstop. You guys think about guys going four or five innings now. He was a walking complete game, and just you were expected to do that. And I know you guys in the old school mindset, you miss those guys going deep. Well, that guy was always out there in the eighth and the ninth inning, and he carried that team. And without the Miracle Mets, without Tom Seaver, the Mets are nothing. Let's be real. They are just the 86 team. And he went and tried to finish his career there. He failed in 1987 with his minor league stint and trying to get back. But he wanted to finish his career at least trying to be a New York Met. And that means a lot to me. Before we get into the Yankees, would love you guys to just shine light on getting to watch him, at least on TV and maybe in person when you guys were kids. Yeah, I mean, I just, as I said before we started taping, you know, this, it hurts. It, it, you know, you welcome these guys into your living room. I know you had your dad on your podcast, Jake, and uh, he got to watch him and he got to listen actually to the stadium. He lived in the shadows of Shea and he would hear the cheering back in 1969 from his window, as you told me before we came on. And that's like, that's that's goosebump moments. And, and you bring these guys into your living rooms or wherever your TVs are now. You bring these guys in and you make them a part of your family. So when they do pass, it's like a member of your family, as Howie Rose said on SNY. It's, it's like part of your childhood. When they retired his number, he said it's like part of your childhood goes away. And, and, and you feel that as a sports fan. You really do. And the first time I felt that, I don't know about you, Nelly, but the first time I had to deal with death growing up was Thurman Munson in 1979. And 
I didn't really know how to react to that. That was the first time I had to stare death in the face. I was six years old and sitting on my parents' back steps, I, I just started to cry because I, I was trying to formulate and figure out how a human being isn't going to be around anymore and how I'm not going to see him play baseball anymore. And, and, and that was tough. So I feel you, Jake. I really do. And I did get to see Seaver pitch and and it was it was a it was a spectacle every time i got to see him and and i think the the one i remember very vividly was uh, when the yankees honored phil rizzuto and he won his 300th game on that same day i think that's the same day that they gave rizzuto uh, that holy cow it was an actual cow that knocked him on his keister before that game and then seaver went out and won his 300th game so yeah it, it, it's terrible uh, for mets fans obviously the franchise tom terrific it's terrible for baseball just because of the og he he was Nelly. He was that throwback, that old school guy that both you and I really respect. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Jake, by the way, I'm not that old. So, uh, well, you're born in 66. I really, I was like two when he, when they were in the world series, I grew up in Baltimore. So they kind of, uh, spoiled the Orioles back in 1969 with the miracle Mets. I think the Orioles had what four 20 game winners. But, you know, I wasn't fortunate enough to meet him. And, and I heard what kind of guy he was and, and what kind of person he was. Obviously, the player. I've seen highlights after highlights growing up in Baltimore. You know, I was never really a New York fan. You're always a Baltimore fan. And the Yankees were always a rival of the Orioles. And But I, I did get to uh, see Seaver pitch a few times. And, I mean, you marvel at the guys back in those days. I mean, those days were all about comp- complete games. There wasn't the bullpens that they have now. And, you know, there was no way you were going to take the ball out of Tom Seaver's hands. And just to hear the kind of person he was, the kind of player he was, uh, he's one guy I wish I would have met. And and with Thurman Munson, you know, the same thing, getting to know and and doing, obviously being a Yankee all these years, being around the guys that played with him, and they would talk a lot about that day, talk a lot about that year. uh, That's, uh, and meeting his, meeting his wife. I mean, it's just, oh my, gosh I mean it's just I can't I can't imagine being that close to a player and losing him uh, during a season or even Tom Seaver I mean a, a legend in the New York Mets franchise history and losing someone like that and what someone means to an organization like Tom Seaver I can't imagine it's just uh, it's an awful loss yeah to you know the parents grandparents who got to see him um, I mean he was awesome and you know Nelly you had that uh, the little kind of funky delivery that you threw with Seaver was the same way times right. like 10 I mean he was he had yeah. all sorts of movement if you watch him pitch he got so low uh, to the ground and he was just I mean that's 69 team we talk about the 2000 Mets being ragtag team so it was that 69 team I mean it was him and Kuzman but we were talking about guys like Ken Boswell and you know right. Wayne Garrett and uh you know Don Clendenin and Tommy Agee some good players Ron Swoboda who I talked to Ed Cranepool guys who were pretty mediocre career players and Seaver's 25 wins uh, were a big part of that team. And, you know, two teams. off leg was, I mean, when you watched his delivery and they slowed it down and they would take pictures of how low he got, I don't think anybody gets that low. His knee, his right knee almost touched the dirt of the mound. I was like, how in the heck do you do that? Yeah, he always had dirt. He always had dirt on his right knee. And just to put something into perspective really quick, guys, the active leaders for complete games right now, if you want to count Bartolo Colon as active, he's got 38. Justin Verlander's got 26. Okay, so let's just focus on Verlander, who's who's hurt right now, but he's got 26 complete games. Seaver, in 1971 alone, threw 21 complete games, 231 complete games in his career. The active leader 
in Major League Baseball right now is Verlander with 26. Well, I remember when Roy Holiday, we're talking about complete games, and when Roy Holiday, I mean, he passed away, but, you know, there was times in one year he had more complete games than maybe half the Major League team yeah. combined. Yeah, I mean, combined. It's just, now you'll never find that. Yeah, Seaver, 18, 14, 18, 19, 21, 13, 18 to start his career off from 67 to 73. And didn't he have game. one in the World Series, Jake, a 10-inning complete game to I get the win? So. And he, you know, he almost, he, it took him till 1977. A lot of people say, how the hell did it take him so long to throw a no-hitter? He had the near, you know, a couple out away versus the Cubs, a perfect game. But it took him a decade to get a no-hitter and um, obviously left the Mets and then came back triumphantly in 1983. I know people and my uncle have told me about how special that moment was. I know he wasn't great in 83, but not great for Tom Seaver was a 3-5-5 ERA, which today, <laughs> which today gets you $300 million. There would be GMs running over each other to sign that 355 Tom Seaver yeah. today. Uh, thank you guys for shedding some light on that. Let's get into the Yankees now next here in the paper on the Pinstripe Pod. Another day... Another loss to the Rays. They've lost 8 of 10 this season. The good news for the Yankees is that their schedule with the Rays is done. They have a pretty, not easy, but a winnable schedule ahead outside of you know the Blue Jays who are playing much better baseball as they became buyers at the trade deadline. But guys, another loss on third, on Wednesday as Montgomery got rocked in the first inning and you know kind of put them out of the game quick. Are you guys concerned about these, you know, how the Rays have dominated the team this season? I, I am concerned. Uh, I a thousand percent concerned because the the Rays have had to deal with just as many injuries as the Yankees and a lot to their pitching staff, uh, both their starting rotation. They just got Charlie Morton back yesterday. Uh, he wasn't his normal self. He's working his way back off the injured list. So that was expected. But a, a lot of their bullpen pieces have been shelved uh, a couple of them for the season. So the Yankees can't cry about the injuries because the Rays are going through the same thing, Jake, and they're 20 and four in their last 24 games and dealing with all these injuries. You know, everybody waxes poetic about the Yankees' depth. Well, I think it's time to wax poetic, Nelly, about what the Rays are bringing to the table with their depth because it's not only their pitching, but it's their lineup, too. You can't sleep on this Tampa Bay Rays team. This is not a Larry Rothschild's devil Rays, that's for sure. No, it's not, and I'll agree with you. I'm very concerned, you know, because the Yankees aren't getting healthy anytime soon, and you don't know where these guys are. You look at the bottom half of their lineup, they're all hitting under two. 200 and, and you know as far as depth if you got good depth and you're you have guys that are hitting 280 290 you don't have that that's very concerning and, and pitching I mean if you look and everybody's gonna say oh analytics doesn't I mean it doesn't matter what they're hitting as far as average they're eighth in the league pitching they're eighth in the league it's it's a concern of mine I mean they they are if you look at the standings luckily they have a very easy schedule besides well I mean besides the 10 games they play against the Blue Jays and that's going to be interesting because they're going to have a chip on their shoulder as well just like the Rays have and and you know, you kind of poke the bull there like in, the, in that second game by trying with Chapman throwing at guys and, and Brousseau hits two homers off of you after you tried dusting him the night before. So I'm very concerned. I, I don't know where it goes from here. They have to get healthy fast and they have to start hitting. Hunter Renfro, obviously a lot of smack talk uh, this week and the bench is clearing kind of at the end of the game. You had the time the bullpen. I mean, they, they, they were not Graham Lloyd and Jeff Nelson running out from uh, the bullpen. <laughs> I mean, they, sure. they, they ran out out and you know everyone was already getting dessert in the clubhouse um hunter renfro was drilled by heller on wednesday night was that meant to be was that you know was that part of everything going on or do you think that was by accident and should he have been uh, thrown out there I don't think there was any intent there. And I don't think Carlos Mendoza with his comments
comments after the game, who was the acting manager for the Yankees because Aaron Boone uh, served his one-game suspension along with Kevin Cash. We're going to talk about that next. I want to rush the bit, but that was ridiculous that Boone got the game suspension. But anyway, going back to Ben Heller and Renfro, I, I just think that was a ball that got away from him. It's not like he went headhunting. It was a two-seamer that that he just threw too hard and it tailed in and it drilled uh, Renfro in the hip. Uh, I don't think he should have been ejected. Going into Wednesday night, based on the comments from Kevin Cash, the, the Rays manager, Nelly, you know, uh, uh, antenna were raised, especially the umpires. So yeah, they were going to be on their, uh, they were going to be on the lookout for something like that to happen. And we we all, as fans, we expected Wednesday night raw between these two yeah, teams yeah. in the WWE. But, I, I, you know, we have Charlie Morton coming back from the IL. He's not going to come back and drill somebody and get ejected in the first inning. He, he's got to work back into form. You also have a guy in Jordan Montgomery. He's not going to be getting involved in that too. Jack Curry brought up that point in the BP show before the game last night, and he was spot on with it. But I am a little surprised that it didn't carry over into last night's game. Though. Yeah, did the umpires, I didn't see the beginning of the game. Did the umpires warn both sides? They right did not. The there, was no, there was no warning, and that's why Mendoza got upset, and he had yeah. every right to get upset, because if you have no warning, and then right. this happens, and then you confer, and then toss the guy with no warnings, it was just like, it was that specter of a warning hanging over Yankee Stadium because of what happened the night before. Well, usually the league comes out in advance and, and talks to both sides, and or talks to the umpires at least, and say, hey, listen, we don't want anything happening, especially you don't want bench clearings, because, you know, with the COVID-19 well, yeah, exactly. stuff going on, you don't want to risk any player. Uh, you know, usually they, they'll warn both sides after something that happened the night before. Now, I, I'm kind of glad they didn't in some way, because, you know, I'd like, you know, take care of business on the field, but to throw Heller out, I mean, it's ridiculous. You know, you know I, I didn't agree with it. I don't think he did it on purpose. I mean, the Rays didn't try to retaliate. Uh, they did their work on the field. A little surprised that they didn't uh, maybe try to hit somebody late in the game, but but it didn't. And uh, I just don't, I, I don't get, I don't get what the umpires were doing. If anything, they should have thrown Chapman out the night before. I mean, they all congregated behind the mound, all four of them. And, you know, if you thought any kind of intent was there, it was Chapman the night before. And do you guys agree with this? I mean, Chapman got three. He's going to appeal. Boone sat his one. And uh, Kevin Cash got one as well. Was that over the top or do you agree with that? Chapman, I think he he got what was coming to him. Uh, I know we're going to talk to Kenny Davidoff. He wrote a column about this in the post. And we're going to get his thoughts because he thought the suspension for Cash should have been a lot worse than it was with just the one game. As far as Boone goes, you know, I called it ridiculous before, but I guess the manager has to uh, take some responsibility for what his player does on the field. He is the manager. He is in management and that is a player he manages. So I get where they come from with him getting the, the one game as well. Kenny wrote about that uh, as well. But uh, Cash, to me, look, I, I want to make this perfectly clear. Kevin Cash sat in front of reporters and, and Nelly, I don't know how you feel about it, but he sat in front of reporters minutes after one of his guys uh, got thrown at at his head. It was a hundred mile an hour fastball that nearly hit him in the head. If it if he didn't move out of the way, that could have caused some serious damage. You never. Hey, look, I, I'm all for backing people off the plate and pitchers being able to pitch for crying out loud because it's become a lost freaking art. And batters get their panties in a bunch when a pitcher comes inside. It's time for that nonsense to end. If you're hanging over the damn plate, you're going to get brushed back. Okay? 
That's how you pitch, not headhunting. Let me make that perfectly clear. I never want to see that, okay? But you have to be able to pitch. What happened between these two teams was boiling. They say a watch pot never boils. This has been boiling for quite some time, and Jeff, it boiled over. This happens. I know we're living through COVID, but you can't look at, a, at, at, at you know, 28 plus 28, what is 56? 56 guys who live baseball, and this stuff happens. It doesn't matter if COVID is going on. Tempers are still going to flare. You don't want it to happen. You don't want you don't want the benches to clear, but you can't have players turn that off. It's impossible, Jeff. You've lived this. You know it. Well, I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem at all, to be honest. What Cash said, you know, if one of his players or a couple of his players are getting headhunted by some idiot on the other side, then you know what? This is this reminds me of Lou Pinella, old school managers that are going to take up for their players and especially their hitters. When you have hitter hitting managers. Uh, you know, I, I really, you know, what he said came off the cuff and came off, came off his sleeve. And, and obviously he got in trouble for it. And, you know, maybe people thought, oh, he should get uh, Ken David off one of them, that he gets just, he should get suspended more than just one game. I don't have a problem with what he said because he's taken up for his players. And he, he's basically calling the Yankees out and saying this is uncalled for. As far as Boone, I don't think he should be suspended at all. I don't care if he was a part of management or not. The players police themselves. Managers usually don't have to go up and tell players, oh, I want this guy drilled or you got to start protecting our guys. This is something Chapman did on his own. He has better control of that. And when you're headhunting and you almost have a chance of killing a guy, and that's what could happen, yeah. you know, you don't know. Three games is way light. I know Joe Kelly got eight, and yes, probably a lot of it was reputation and stuff that he's done in the past, but three games, that's all you're going to get. And listen, I'm a huge Yankee fan. You lose Chapman for three, two, whatever. It, it could hurt you, especially you. the way they're playing now. Yeah. But for three games and you're throwing at somebody's head at 101 miles an hour, I'm sorry. It, it, you know, you should have got eight games as well. And you, I went, you can appeal as much as you want. You should have got eight games. I went off on a tangent there and I wanted to make that point and you made it for me, but I want to just hammer it home here for a second. Cash was in front of reporters three minutes, four minutes after one of his players almost got drilled with a hundred mile an hour fastball in the head. So what he said, and, and it might've been incendiary, it might've been reckless, but he's showing that entire bench, that entire dugout, that entire clubhouse. Hey, I got your back. I'm going to defend you. I'm going to say whatever I have to say. And as a journalist, as a beat writer, Nelly, if you're sitting there and you're and you're in that conversation with the manager, wouldn't you want honesty in that moment? Wouldn't you want just raw and unfettered honesty instead of the gobbledygook and the canned responses that you normally get? I mean, that was somebody off the cuff and 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 getting stuff off of his off of his back. I mean, that that to me was was the realest quote I've ever heard in my life from a manager. Well, yeah, I mean, he paid for it, but, you know, the players respect that. And, you know, you can't be, be getting pushed around all the time. And and that's what the Yankees are trying to do. You know, obviously, they want to be intimidating. You know, they're the big, bad Yankees. I mean, they've always been that way. But for the Rays, they did it on the field. You know, they don't even – the Yankees don't play the Rays anymore, so that could be a problem a little bit uh, as far as trying to get into first place. The Rays are a very good team. Uh, but, yeah, you, you, I, I love what Cash said. I love how the Rays have stood up against the big, bad Yankees. And, and, you know, the rivalry is now, over the last couple of years, 
might be a little stronger than Boston. And, and I, I love it. I, I love the fact that somebody besides the Red Sox are stepping up and, and giving the Yankees a little trouble. Sharon, you you earlier, I thought it was me talking about Edwin Diaz. You were getting riled up. <laughs> well, it's about time that you, you, you start hearing some Chris Sheeran ranting and raving because it's what I was famous for on my Yes Network podcast. So it's about time you've heard the caffeine tirades that I go on on the New York Post podcast here on the Pinstripe podcast. Well, I, I love to see it. You know, I love to see it. I'm also amazed that your your head is always so perfectly bald, and I have to shave it every two, three days. You must shave it daily because it is always perfectly shaven. Well, I, I've I've had a stretch here at the Yes Network where I've worked every day. So I, in order to get my makeup looking prim and proper, uh, Jake, I, I need to I need to shave everything every day. Do so, you have a makeup team yeah. that shaves your hair for head for you? Or no, you have to do, oh, no, okay. no, no. I, I shave my head with a Mach 3 in the shower. <laughs> I was going to say, let me, put, let me put your caviar on a golden platter. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of, never, speaking never of caviar, caviar the Mets ahead. and Yankees guys do play one more time today, which makes me wonder, like, should part of our bet been the entire series? Like, if the Mets win or oh, we win? No, 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 no. <laughs> Here we go. Don't start backtracking. He's looking, he's back looking for a tie on. after I threw in yep. alcohol and appetizers yep. and better restaurants and all that. <laughs> well, I want a tie. Do you guys That's cover the wine if, if the Mets win today? Like, is there, is there, do you that cover the tip if the Mets win? Oh my God. You shook, you virtually shook, you virtually shook uh, on the weekend series with the Mets. So it, this game today has nothing to do with our bet. And you know what? Just for even mentioning that, we're going to bring David off with us, and you're going to pay for his yeah. dinner, oh, too. No. This is a typical Met fan. I mean, they've always been the second-best team in New York in baseball, always. And, and it's just that they're begging. They beg all the time, nonstop. It's exhausting. I'm begging, I'm begging, I'm begging. They talk all their trash in the media and all that, and, and what they, they can't do it between the lines. They just can't. Yeah. Well, sorry, Ken. We're, we're, Ken Davidoff is, is here now, and uh, – you know, unless Figgy wants to pay for his steak, Dan, unless unless Ken is uh, vegan and maybe doesn't eat steak, which means we could get him a cheaper salad. Maybe uh, that'll I save him. He's eating at McDonald's on the road. What does he get there? You know, we, we talked to him on that road trip to Atlanta. He yeah. was, was going to stop at McDonald's. What did you end up going McDonald's or Burger King, Ken? Uh, I went Mickey D's, although I did make a pit stop on the way home at a Burger King in either Virginia or North Carolina. Oh, my God. Brutal. Really? I mean, I well, you. I mean, just, just, I just got, I mean, not even, I just got a, like a shake, but I mean, no masks behind, you know, people behind the counter wearing, wearing masks, filthy. I actually scolded the woman. I said, you're not wearing a mask. Like, That's I don't the hospitality of the South, Ken. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Made me want to move to Canada. You can't get that milkshake flame broiled, Kenny. Uh, Ken, Ken Davidoff, of course, on Twitter, at Ken Davidoff, and you can read his stories in the post at nypost.com. Ken, I, I know you wrote the column about sus the suspensions uh, from the other from the other night between the Yankees and the uh, Rays. We we're expecting, as we just mentioned with Jake and Nellie, and we we're doing the in the paper segment. Uh, we mentioned that we we expected Wednesday night raw between these two teams, but we didn't really we didn't get that. And I I think I interviewed Jack Curry on the BP show on the Yes Network, and he he came up with a very salient point. He said uh, the best revenge for either team is to go out and win, and and that was the case. I mean, we saw Charlie Morton coming off the injured list. He's not going out there to do anything stupid, and neither is Jordan Montgomery. But as far as the suspensions go. 
just what were your comments? Because I, what are your thoughts? Because I know you thought Cash's should have been a little bit more hefty. Yeah, I definitely thought Kevin Cash should have gotten a more severe suspension, uh, and they decided uh, that uh, that that he shouldn't. Uh, I was surprised. I also thought Chapman should have gotten a, a higher suspension. But you know, with the with the players, I get it. There are precedents in place. Obviously, there's the appeal process with managers. Major League Baseball can do whatever the heck it wants. So they determined that I'm sure they determined heat of the moment. Uh, what Chapman did was pretty scary. So they they gave uh, ca- uh, Cash some leeway there. Yeah, you know, with Kenny, I, I, I actually, to be honest, I didn't have a problem with what Cash said. You know, it reminds <laughs> me of, of what Lou Pinella or old school managers would do if they would get interviewed and, and, you know, taking up for their players, standing up for their players, not saying, hey, I don't want to be pushed around. And, you know, this is uncalled for for if you're going to throw at somebody's head. Uh, you know, I thought maybe Chapman should have been thrown out right away the night he pitched. I mean, the umpires get all get together behind the mound and, you know, they don't do anything. They didn't even warn both teams before the game, which I'm a little surprised that the league didn't step in and tell the umpires, hey, we don't want any shenanigans going on, especially with COVID-19 and any kind of bench clearings. Let's warn both sides right away and we'll put it to put it to an end. Uh, but, you know, I thought one game was, that, that was fine. He's just standing up for his players and he's speaking, you know, sometimes in the heat of the moment you know you might say some things you might regret and he got the one game I didn't think Boone deserved any I don't know why he got suspended but I agree with you I thought Chapman with the Joe Kelly even though Joe Kelly's reputation was a little bit uh, as far as doing those type of things a little bit more he got the eight games I I thought six seven maybe even eight for for Chapman as well I I thought he really got off light yeah I agree I I think the difference between Kelly and Chapman you know Kelly did everything but wear a shirt saying I'm I'm throwing at you guys he made that they made that the next day (laughs) uh whereas chapman yes i i mean i i think highly likely he knew what he was doing but there was at least some uh plausible deniability in in his case i think that's the that's a critical difference i agree with you and i agree with um uh, aaron boone that what he said was reckless but at the time putting yourself in his shoes and i want to ask you this as a beat writer ken i mean because all the time there's most of the time we get canned responses and you know we get the usual stuff uh, night in and night out from these guys. You got a fired up cash, as Nelly alluded to. Maybe what he said was wrong, but you can't fault the guy for being that passionate about the guys in his dugout. That That's just in my estimation. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I was there Tuesday night when that all happened. And I, yeah, I would, as a journalist, as, as a columnist, I was excited. Right. I was excited to write about that stuff. But my take as the columnist was like, we're not ready for this. You know, I'm just not ready to 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 throw down over a baseball game, you know, even though it's my job to cover baseball, less, <laughs> less, less than a week after we had these profound uh, walkouts, right, talking about social justice and all year talking about COVID, I'm just I wasn't ready to to go uh, down that rabbit hole. And I I you know again easier for me to say I don't play the game, but I I do think uh, it, it just lacked tact. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, Kenny. And you know, let's uh, change things, change up things a little bit. I'm concerned about the Yankees, the way they're playing, the way they're going. They're not getting healthy. They're, uh, you know, you look at their average eighth and eighth in the American League, eighth in pitching. Uh, you have right now they're the seventh seed going into the playoffs, and they play the Toronto Blue Jays, who improved their team ten times in September. What are your <laughs> thoughts? I think they're they're not the seventh seed right now because I think the top six seeds are the first two teams. Let's see. I think they're they're right in front of Toronto. Yeah, they're in front right. of Toronto, so I think they're the sixth. But I think they'd be ahead of the Twins just yeah. the way they're yes. they're, right. they're right. yes. seeding it. 
they're actually tied with the Astros. I'm looking right, at. right, right. Uh, no, they're, this is not a very impressive baseball team right now. There's no doubt about that. And uh, yeah, when you talk about uh, just just all around, really, right? I mean, there's each area has sprung a leak at different points, and and sometimes together, sometimes separately. Yeah, I mean, right now you can't be impressed with this Yankees team. They are. Where's this uh, depth that they're talking about? I mean, you look at the last <laughs> half of their lineup, and nobody's hitting over 200. I mean, their yeah. depth is basically non-existent. Yeah, I actually wrote about that in my column today. I, I think the last night, six through nine, was what Talkman, Sanchez, Gardner, and Wade. Right. They were two for 13 last night with a, uh, six strikeouts, a couple walks. Uh, so, uh, yeah, no, it's not there. All those, you know, if you break that down, you know, you're talking about Mike Talkman uh, has not been able to replicate what he did last year. Brett Gardner, sadly right now, looks looks like the aging has caught up to him. Tyler Wade is getting his chance again and not proving again, and Gary Sanchez is, is utterly lost. Yeah, uh, and in your column, Ken, I think you hit the nail on the head. You said instead of next man up, it felt like next man out. And yes. Talkman, just to just to put a little bow tie on Talkman here, his last 12, he's four for his last 34. That's 118. His previous 16, we were talking about this like, Oh, look at Mike Talkman. He's getting the at-bats. He's playing every day. He was 15 for 42 in those previous 16 games, hitting 357. But my, my point and what I want to talk to you about is Gary Sanchez. Around his pinch hit grand slam against the Mets, which was huge, and it was the first pinch hit grand slam in extra innings in Yankees franchise history, but he's two for his last 26 around that <laughs> grand slam in our yes notes a couple days ago. You know, we, we saw that he's the best hitting catcher Ken since 2016. And, and you could talk about that and you can make that point and that's fair. But if you're going to do that, you, you're also going to have to expect him when judge and Stanton are on the IL, he needs to be carrying this team. He can't be in the lower third of the lineup. He's got to be in the meat of this order and he's carried this team before but he's just not the same i don't know what it is yeah i mean that's that's a little misleading that best hitter since the best hitting catcher since 2016 that's like saying nelly is the best righty setup man since 1993 well, there you know, go. but nelly hasn't pitched in 17 years. <laughs> exactly. there you go <laughs> that's my point that's uh, my point yeah so since 2018 for gary sanchez it's it's not pretty you know he was terrible in 18 last year was a very weird year you know strong first half a lot of games against the Orioles and then fell off a cliff in the second half. And he's been horrible this year. Sooner or later, you have to stop making excuses and, and you just have to start looking at the numbers for what they are. And in a world, Kenny, where we have analytics and everything is driven by numbers, you can't ignore these numbers. You just can't. You can't. It's a, it's a huge concern moving forward. Gary, with Gary Sanchez, look, he's always been streaky since since 17 right and 17 was an excellent right. season there right were, there are times in 17 when you want to wring his neck but the but the end product was excellent uh and even last year was more than acceptable but yeah yeah as you said chris like when they really need him to do not only not delivering i mean he is a, a huge liability at the moment and can you do you sense you know, with the 60-game season, obviously the sense of urgency, and that's with every team, is greater. The pressures are greater. Uh, and this is not just on the offense and maybe the pitching, maybe even Garrett Cole, as frustrating as he's gotten over the last couple outings. Do you see the pressure kind of mounting a little bit more, the sense of urgency get maybe affecting some of these guys or maybe the team 
no, going into the season, hey, we're supposed to be the best team in the American League, and now they're not. Maybe that pressure getting to them. Yeah, there's another instance, Nelly, where I really wish I was in the clubhouse, you know, to yeah. get a better feel for that. But watching them play on the field regularly, yeah, I, I think that's a, a fair question to, to ask and uh, issue to contemplate, to wonder. Uh, yeah, they, a lot of the time they just don't look like that very much fun out there. You know, even, uh, you know, some of their wins have been pretty freaky and fluky. Obviously, the win uh, game one against the Mets, sorry, Jake, on uh, on Sunday. Uh, you know, with the DS meltdown. Uh, Please don't so, remind uh, me. I'm, I'm and, still having and nightmares. The previous, <laughs> the previous day against uh, Batances, you know, with the Eric Kratz bunt, that was pretty fluky. So, yeah, they are just not playing crisp, sound, consistent baseball. Kenny, it, it's always a pleasure talking to you. And, and hopefully the next time you travel through Virginia, huh. uh, you, won't, you won't have an awful uh, time at a Burger King. That That really gets me upset. Well, they have Hardee's. They have Hardee's in the South. Hardee's is not. Hardee's is always one of those go tos when you're in rookie ball and all that. Is Arby's a, is Arby's, Arby's still is still thing? around? Okay. And uh, you know, Bob's Big Boy might have a takeout. I, I, some Bob's Big Boys every once in a while. Back in the day when I used to eat that garbage all the time when I didn't have any money, uh, I, I used to get the roast beef and the cheese with oh, beef and cheddar. Right. The beef, beef and right. cheddar. Yes, it does. You could have money and still get these places. Don't hate on fast food no, establishments. No, 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 no. I'm not hating. On it, I just choose not to do it anymore. They, they need an In and Out Burger on the East Coast. They That's do. They Desperately. do. Desperately, make that happen, Nelly. I, All right. I, I would love to. I don't know why it hasn't. You could send Can Burger I? King to the moon. I'm. They're, they're <laughs> t- send them on a rocket with Edwin Diaz. Put them a package together and send them on a NASA trip to the moon, please. Kenny, you always do a tremendous job with the column when you come on with us. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for the time once again. Follow Ken on Twitter, at Ken Davidoff. Thanks a lot, brother. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Stay safe. Take care. Thanks, Ken. That's a wrap for episode 24. Sure, you can go Tino Martinez or Ricky Henderson here, but how about the Deion Sanders episode of the Pinstripe Pod? Primetime, our New York Yankees podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown for producing the show. As always, make sure to subscribe to the Pinstripe Pod wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're using Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and please write a positive review. We appreciate your support. For Jeff Nelson, I'm Chris Sheeran. We'll be back on Labor Day Monday following the Yankees' four-game set in Baltimore against the Orioles. Enjoy your weekend, folks, and as always, stay safe.